When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker, and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly, dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Eskimos. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Playoffs in the NHL start next week. Will the Edmonton Oilers start them at home? They can take another step towards doing that with a win tonight over the Los Angeles Kings. We have it for you coming up at 8.30 here on 6.30. Chad, the Oilers have won five in a row, matching their longest winning streak of the season. Remember, they won five in a row way back in October. They'll try to make it six tonight against the Kings. Start of a three-game road trip for Edmonton, and then their final regular season game is Sunday at home against the Vancouver Canucks. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. We're going to bring in former Oilers goaltender Andy Moog in a couple of minutes, but first I want to update the scoreboard for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310 Glass today. Now, some games later on that will impact the Oilers. Calgary plays Anaheim. That starts at 8. The Ducks, two ahead of the Oilers for first in the Pacific Division. The Sharks play the Canucks. The Sharks are two back of the Oilers. The Flames five points back. Now, the thing is there, the Oilers have a game in hand on Anaheim, San Jose, and Calgary. So a little bit of an advantage for Edmonton there. Already on the ice this evening... The Lightning are playing the Bruins, and Brad Marchand has already been on the ice and off. He's been kicked out of that game. Five-minute major for spearing Jake Dotson late in the first period. No score in the game now early in the second. Also in the second period, scoreless Flyers and Devils, and the Penguins lead the Blue Jackets 1-0. The Capitals out to a 1-0 lead on the Maple Leafs late in the first. No score in the first, Red Wings and Senators. The Jets and the Blues and the Islanders and the Predators are just getting underway. A couple other games still to start. Start. There's the update on the NHL scoreboard. Well, Cam Talbot can set a new team record tonight. 40 wins as an NHL goaltender. Ties him with Grant Fewer from 87-88. He's going after win 41 tonight. Pleased to be joined by another former Edmonton Oilers goaltender. It's Andy Moog. Andy, welcome back to 630. Chad, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. It's uh, it's been an exciting last couple of weeks here for the Oilers, uh, clinching a playoff spot and uh, finally ending that long playoff drought. Uh, I mean, you've been uh, obviously an observer of the Oilers for a long time now, but is there any sort of deep breath, or they're finally back in uh, from you as an ex as an ex Oiler? Well, you know, what was it, eleven years, ten years without a playoff appearance? Um, yeah, that's a that's a long team. That's a long time for any team. Forget about just the Oilers. I mean. 
organizations work hard trying to do the right things and put the right pieces together and you know uh, um, they've they've definitely paid their due and it's uh, it's time for them to make some hay in the playoffs yeah and they're fighting for a, a possible home start in the playoffs to try to get one of the top two seeds so that'll be fun to watch as well how much uh, how much Oilers hockey have you been able to watch I mean clearly McDavid I mean he's leading the league in scoring so <laughs> most people at least see the highlights but uh, what have you seen and what strikes you about the team this year well you know this is a hockey wasteland down here in the southwest in Dallas so we don't we don't get a whole barrage but uh, if you want to go find it you can find it and uh uh, I think the thing that strikes me about the Oilers, uh, right right from the start of the season, right from uh, the the outdoor game we saw them play in in Winnipeg earlier this year, through the uh, through the bulk of the season, is uh, they they seem to play a game with pace and uh, they have an attack mentality. And uh, my my hats off to Coach McClellan and his staff because I'm a big proponent of coaches who try to win the game in the first 60 minutes. And I think these types of coaches and these types of programs should be rewarded uh, three-point wins for regulation. Uh, they they need to be accentuated. There's some way for these guys to be accentuated and, and being singled out for trying to win the game in 60 minutes. It's, it's what fans come to see, and it's what everybody wants to see. And uh, my hat's off to McClellan and his staff because they push the envelope, they play with pace, and they attack. They try to win the game in the first 60 minutes. You know, I'm glad you brought up that pace and the impact of Coach McClellan because I'm lucky whenever the team's at home, I get to go to the practices in the morning skates. And, and I noticed that right away, that the pace to the practices and, and the details and specific game planning for, you know, the next opponent. And that's always fun for me to watch then to see how it gets played out once the game actually starts. But I mean, you're you're speaking from experience because obviously the Oilers teams you were on, the practice pace must have been incredible. Yeah, I mean, I mean that structure. That's that's all fine and good, and that's that's important to a degree. But if if you don't have pace and commitment to the commitment to compete, it, it doesn't matter what kind of structure you employ. If you're not playing with pace and you're not committed to competing for pucks, it doesn't matter. And I, I I'm glad to see the teams are putting the emphasis on that on that pace and compete side, and maybe taking a little bit of structure and putting it back in the in the secondary role, which is where I believe it belongs. So the coach wants to put that in, but once it comes down to the players having to enact that in practice and then into the games, for you guys, did it start with a Gretzky buying in? Do you think for the Oilers it starts with McDavid and Dreisaitl um, buying in and then other players going along? Or where do you think it, that, that, uh, you know, that, that pace and that commitment gets rolling from there? Yeah. I guess my my coaching and playing experience tells me that when you go out there and and, and play the game, uh, practice the game, and then play the game with pace, it, it, it's it's fun. It's flat out fun, and that's the bottom line. They're playing the game with a with a style that that takes a little more of the thinking out and puts a little bit more of the enthusiasm in and. If you're sitting in the seats watching with 19,000 other people, you want to see the play, the game played with pace and enthusiasm and the guys having fun. And, you know, that may be what fills the seats in Edmonton more than anything else is, is they look like they're having fun. Yeah. Andy Moog joining us on Inside Sports. Cam Talbot is going to make his 71st appearance of the season tonight. 
if he uh, his next win, if he can win one of the remaining four games for the Oilers, he'll break your old teammate's record, Grant Fewer, of 40 wins in a single season. That's the Oilers team record. Uh, I mean, you had a 50-appearance season with the Oilers, 47-46. Uh, with Boston uh, and Dallas, you went over 50 several times between those two franchises. But, uh, man, Talbot just keeps rolling despite all the, all, the, uh, all the workload. I mean, fans have been asking all season long, is he going to wear down? Is he going to get tired? I don't know, Andy. I haven't seen any evidence of it yet. Yeah, there, there, there's too many, uh, there's too many things that have changed in the game over the last decade or 15 years that allows uh, coaches to identify what players need to do in order to be prepared for for, for games. And in in the goaltender's case, often it's it's finding small windows to work on details and fundamentals, but getting them off the ice and in in appropriate places where they don't need to be out there going through the grueling competing side of the the practice. Uh, they're just out there to get tuned and get prepared, get off the ice, do some training and some and some maintenance with the uh, medical staff or whatever they need. But uh, a lot smarter today with respect to to how you prepare to play games, which is ultimately the focus. How how do you how do you get this goalie ready to play games, and and what system do you need to use to to like him play 70, 75, 80, whatever he needs to do. I mean, I know it's it's Grant's record, not not your record, but I mean, you won 33 games in, in 1983. That's a pretty respectable total, and that was only in 50 appearances, by the way. So you you won you won basically two thirds of your appearances that year. Um, just what would it mean to you to see to see Cam actually, you know, hopefully put his name in the Oilers record book here over the final week? Yeah, first off, I think I'm probably responsible for keeping Grant from making that record a lot earlier in his career because I used to get those 45 starts and, and screw everything up. And uh, there's another guy here in Dallas that's responsible for Grant setting that record, and that's Daryl Ray. And he tells people that uh, he was the backup the year Grant set the record, and he's primarily responsible for Grant setting the record because coach didn't want to play Daryl Ray. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I think people look at you as responsible for a lot of the wins you got yourself. So, but uh, you're being modest for sure. Uh, Andy Moog joining us inside Sports on Six Thirty. Chad, hey, I wanted to touch on uh, the the Olympics with you. Um, take me back to your participation in Calgary in. Uh, in 1988 and that was obviously before pros were in it but you were an nhl goaltender um who decided to play that year what what was it like for you joining that sort of national team situation and and participating in those olympics yeah you nailed it on the head there it was it was a national team we were together uh, from october right through february represented canada in a a couple of significant tournaments through the fall and winter and then, uh, obviously, 88 Olympics in February in Calgary. Uh, we, we were a team. I mean, we we built a team chemistry. We had a culture. We we had a we had a belief we could we could do it uh, basically. And uh, obviously, when you when you change the format and people come in in different format and they come together to play, it's it's. Uh, you know, it's the greatest players in the world, but it's it's not necessarily a, a team format. It's representing your country, so there's there's a couple of subtle differences. But I, I truly enjoyed my my year playing on the national team representing Canada, and uh, that that would probably be the biggest difference. It was a team with a culture and 
when these groups come together, it's just a it's a two week go, and whether it's a World Championships or now it's the World Cup and uh, it's the Olympics, it's just bring a team together, get the best players in the world, and see what they can do, which is very enjoyable hockey. But it's I don't I don't really believe it's a team culture. Right. That's an interesting look at it. So what was your reaction then to the NHL saying, okay, to heck with it, we're not going to bother going in, in 2018? Is it is it hard to put the genie back in the bottle now that we've been watching NHLers in, in the Olympics for a couple of decades, or how do you look at this? From my perspective, I, 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 don't, I, don't, see, uh, I don't see it being a big... Uh, a big problem for the competition when the, when the puck drops and the game is on it's going to be just as fierce just as competitive just as uh, as exciting albeit there won't be the Crosby's the Niedermeyer's uh, the Patrick was or 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 Dominic Hasek's in the tournament any longer uh, I get I suppose if these guys want to compete they can take the year off and go join um, and, I've, and I've also heard some rumblings of guys that are going to go regardless. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds as the as the seventeen eighteen season progresses. But but nevertheless, uh, I, I don't I don't think from a competitive competition standpoint it's going to be any different. You just won't see the big stars, the big names that we've grown accustomed to. Right. Well, Andy, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks for your perspective on the Olympics and what you see from the Oilers this season. Obviously, it's an exciting time. And, uh, hey, maybe we can do this again deep into an Oilers playoff run. Sound fair? <laughs> My pleasure. Anytime. Great stuff. That is Andy Moog checking in tonight. Former Edmonton Oilers goaltender, also played for Boston and Dallas. And, yeah, was on that 1988 Canadian Olympic team that competed in Calgary. You'll hear a little bit from Ovechkin, Crosby, and, oh, yeah, Connor McDavid about the Olympic decision as we roll along. Oilers and Kings coverage is going to start at 7. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Nuge and the Oilers a couple of hours away from the drop of the puck in Los Angeles, taking on the Kings tonight. They'll play San Jose Thursday at Vancouver Saturday and then home to the Canucks on Sunday. And then we get into the postseason here in Edmonton for the first time since 2006. Thanks a lot for joining us. Reed Wilkins coming to you from the 630 Ched studio. We're going to hear from Andrew Walker out of the Fan 590 in Toronto in a couple of minutes. Morley Scott as well, straight from Northlands Coliseum as uh, Canada is still looking pretty good at the World Curling Championship. He'll give us the, the latest update and preview their game coming up tonight. On the scoreboard, we have the Bruins leading the Lightning 1-0 with five minutes left in the second period. Also in the second frame, Flyers and Devils scoreless. Penguins up 3-0 on the Blue Jackets and the Capitals are leading the Maple Leafs 1-0 Lars Eller with the goal in that game after one, Ottawa with a 1-0 edge on Detroit, Clark MacArthur for Ottawa playing his first game since October 14th 2015. Of course, he's been battling uh, concussion issues, so great to see him back in the lineup. Blues up 1-0 on the Jets in the first. Also in the first, Islanders and Predators scoreless. The Hurricanes and the Wild are tied 1-1. Still to come, the Coyotes and the Stars. The Hawks play the Avs. The Flames up against the Ducks. And the Canucks will play the Sharks. Busy night in the NHL. So, talking about this Olympic story, 
Alexander Ovechkin from the Capitals maintaining that he will represent Russia in South Korea, even though the NHL announced yesterday that they're not going to go. Ovechkin says he still believes other players will follow his lead. Yeah, um, I hope so. Again, uh, right now it's uh, still on time to uh, make a decision so I can say whatever. And Penguin star Sidney Crosby asked if he might follow Ovechkin. I haven't even thought that far, to be honest. I mean, it's a difficult situation to be in, uh, there's no doubt. But uh, I know some guys have been vocal about, you know, going regardless. But I'm not sure if I'm um, thinking quite that far ahead yet. Yeah, I'm not sure if players are actually going to walk out on their teams for a couple of weeks to go play in the Olympics on their own. I, I know the owner of the Capitals, Ted Leonsis, has said, yeah, okay. We could do that, but I, I don't know if it comes right down to it, if that's actually going to happen. Anyway, we'll see. You heard the comments from Connor McDavid that it's disappointing. Certainly, that would have been a big draw, and maybe it still happens. Maybe they still figure this out. I don't know. Obviously, that would have been a big draw to have, you know, McDavid would have been on the team. Probably would have had Austin Matthews playing for the United States, Patrick Laine playing for uh, Winnipeg. So this would have been the Olympics with this sort of next wave of young stars being injected into those rosters. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk about it right now with Andrew Walker from the Fan 590 in Toronto, the host of the appropriately named Andrew Walker Show. Andrew, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing, buddy? Good, Reed. What's up? It's uh, yeah, setting times in uh, in Toronto right now. Yeah, it must be. Geez, the Blue Jays got started yesterday. I know they lost, and of course the Leafs. Uh, I mean, let's face it: the last ten years, pretty bad for both the Leafs and the Oilers. I, I know the Oilers were further down in the standings most of the time, but uh, it is exciting to be going to the playoffs. And both teams looking for a possible home ice in the first round, eh? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I actually think uh, I actually think the two franchises are more comparable than people think. Um, you know, people here in Toronto, uh, you know, there was 10 years on the outside looking in. Of course, there was that weird 2012 shortened season um, that, frankly, everybody knows it was 82 games. This team wasn't going to make it in uh, in 2012-2013. And for the most part, people here, you know, complained and clamored that they didn't lose more games in those times uh, and and then the answer to that is what so you could you know finish further down and emulate the Edmonton Oilers bottom line is both teams have been a bit of a not a bit of a, a huge disaster the last 10 years so so this year you know Connor McDavid comes in with a full season and Austin Matthews and these kids come into the full season they have both I think blown away our our wildest expectations. And listen, there's going to be five Canadian teams in the first round of the NHL postseason. This has been uh, it's been a wild ride. I I thought the Oilers might challenge for a spot. I didn't think they were going to challenge for the division. And I would have said, hey, if the Maple Leafs can move from 30th to 20th this year, that's a pretty big success. So for for them, challenging for home ice in the first round is is ridiculous, to be honest. And what what's pretty cool is, I mean, you could wind up with Toronto, Ottawa, and Edmonton, Calgary in the first round, right? So we could get right back to some classic provincial rivalries. But Andrew, tell me a little bit from your perspective. You you tell me if if it's Edmonton, Calgary. Yeah. Will Red Deer be standing uh, in a, a month from now? Will Red yeah. Deer even be a <laughs> place on the map? Well, you work there, right? Yeah, it's going to be a war zone, man. That place that place is like is like uh, It's like it's like the last 
bastion that is like half Oilers, half Flames. It's the feeding point halfway. You know, that's like, you know, that's where the leaders of, of each, you know, fan blogosphere will meet to settle a truce. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be crazy. Uh, well, if, if they played, I mean, they haven't played since 1991. So it, it would be it would be incredible. And, and if that was the matchup, it would be Edmonton with home ice because the chances of Calgary passing Edmonton now are, are, are pretty yeah. slim. There, there, will, there will be fights in offices, put it that way, because every office has <laughs> Flames fans and others fans. Yeah, that must be an interesting dynamic. I mean, you get obviously there are Flames fans in Edmonton, but you're, you're pretty outnumbered. And there are Edmonton Let me fans ask you, I'm actually interested in this. Yes. Because and I don't know if it has to do with, with, you know, Edmonton having this new arena, but which road goal pop would be louder? At the Saddle Dome when the Oilers score or at New Rogers Arena when the Flames score? That's a, that's a great question. I... I think it. I think it would be at the saddle. I, I think it would be at the saddle dome too. And I know I'm going to sound like the Homer saying that, but you've had. I'm. I mean, I would say there. Let's face it. There are some fans who are probably on the fence, or maybe even go back and forth. I wonder if those fans are more now Oilers fans simply because of '97. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wonder if tickets are, are more difficult to get because it's Edmonton. You know, uh, like one arena is arguably the best now in the NHL, and the other one, as soon as they close the Joe, is going to be the worst. Um, you know, playoffs are not old hat in Calgary, but they've been there before as recently as two years ago. And, you know, Edmonton, you know, I think almost everyone expects a repeat of 2006 because it's been the same amount of time. I don't know. It, it's a... I've been wondering it the whole time. I still think it's the saddle bone, but I don't know. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I never I never thought about that. Tell me a little bit about uh, before we get into your take on the Olympics because you had an interesting one yesterday. Uh, give me just your sense of the Atlantic Division. Montreal has clinched. The reward might be the the worst possible playoff matchup for the Canadians, and then Toronto, Ottawa, and Boston all look like they're going to get in. Tampa Bay's hanging around. I, I mean, it, it's weird with the Metro being so strong. How, how do you how do you handicap the Atlantic, especially with the the very likely possibility of the Rangers joining it as the fourth seed in the division? It's. It's been a really odd year in the Atlantic, and I think there's, there's, uh, and you kind of listed them. I think there's so many wrinkles to this. Number one, um, so not to pump the tires, but, but I, I was really, at the start of the season, I really, really liked what, what Montreal did. And yes, that included Subban for Weber. I like they got Shaw. Um, I really thought we were going to see a different Radulov, and, and we did. Um, you know, I thought re-signing Petrie was a great move for Montreal. And I picked them to win the division, and, and you know, they, they came through. And this is the tricky part, because you can't, listen, you can't overreact to maybe an anomaly of a season, but I feel for the Habs. They had a great year. And I think they're going to lose to Henrik Lundqvist and the Rangers in round one. And that's, that's too bad. It's really too bad, because they probably deserve better. Who knows? Maybe Carey Price gets hot, and, and, and they win that series. Um, now, as for, you know, the Leafs, one of the, like, they're a great story, and Austin Matthews is going to get 40 goals, which is ridiculous, but one of their big benefits has been, it's been a down year in the Atlantic, right? Tampa Bay, I mean, a lot of people picked them to come out of the East or win the Cup or at least make the Cup final, and, you know, Stamkos goes down and other guys go down. We haven't seen Tyler Johnson forever. 
And, I mean, full credit to them, they've grinded, they've battled, but, you know, they're probably not going to make the postseason. I think it's been a down year for for a lot of teams, and, and you know, Buffalo lost Eichel. I think Buffalo would be right there with those with those groups. The Islanders had a dreadful start, and Toronto's taken advantage. You know, Ottawa was ahead of them this whole time, and, you know, they've gotten so banged up that they've really struggled coming down the stretch, although they're winning tonight. Um, so I think... I think it's a it's a it is a bit of a down year in the Atlantic, and I think that bears watching for next season because I think you know like like growth is not linear, right? So just because the Leafs have X amount of points this year doesn't mean they're going to improve by ten next year because I think the division is going to get a lot better. Um, and I think even in Edmonton, you know, people learned that years ago with Gagne, Cogliano, and Nielsen, everybody had. 20 goals and 45 points, and everybody assumed, well, next year it's going to be 30 and 60. Uh-huh. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, for sure. Andrew Walker joining us from uh, the Fan 590 out of Toronto, host of the Andrew Walker Show, as we talk about some NHL storylines. And uh, we'll talk about the Blue Jays, too, in a second. They're, they're 0-1, so a lot of time to recover. Uh, but you, you, <laughs> you, you had an interesting uh, statement yesterday on Twitter when the Olympic news broke, and I'll just quickly preface this by saying, as I'm sure you had on your show yesterday, I had open line on it, I had text, and I had the full range. I had people saying, who cares? If you give a, give a hockey stick and a Hockey Canada jersey to a, a team of rats, I'll cheer for them because it's Hockey Canada. And, and other people saying, like, well, it's not the pros, so I'm not getting up at 3 in the morning or staying up at 3 in the morning to watch this. I, I'm done with the Winter Olympics. I imagine you had that back and forth on yours as well. But you had an interesting take about uh, your view of this tournament. Well, I mean, okay, so so we were really excited um, when the NHLers came back to the Olympics, and that was in Nagano, right? That was in 98. So we've been going on this thing for for nearly 20 years and and listen I, I would say that 90% of fans I've talked to I don't know what the ratio was on your show but 90% of fans um, were really really disappointed they get up for the Olympics they want to see best on best every four years and they love that Canada dominates I can, ju- I can just speak for me because I'm a fan I, I watch sports with emotional investment I love being in the crowds way more than the press box um I really, really enjoyed Lillehammer, um, and that's one of my earlier Olympic memories. And that was not NHLers; that was you know soon to be NHLers. It's mm-hmm. all Korean. Corey Hirsch, and oddly enough, Peter Nedved. Like that was that was the grouping. I enjoyed that. '98 uh, was great, but then 2002, we finally broke the 50-year Olympic drought, and I was more emotionally invested in that hockey tournament than I've ever been before. And then we lost in Torino. And I'll be honest. I was really proud in Vancouver. I was emotionally invested in Salt Lake City. I was proud in Vancouver. But even Vancouver, it was not to me personally like Salt Lake City was. It had gone down a little bit. And I'm glad we won. The Golden Goal was amazing, of course. And then in Sochi in 2014, I'll tell you what, I feel bad saying this. I was bored. (laughs) I was. I was bored. Salt Lake City, or sorry, uh, uh, Sochi was so fait accompli. Canada was so good. Because here's the thing, in 98 or Salt Lake, or, and when Salt Lake City, when we introduced NHLers back to the Olympics, we had this insecurity as a hockey nation, right? We had a summit in the late 90s. We didn't know if we were that good. Well, we have climbed the mountain again. We are so amazingly great 
as a hockey nation, we could probably win gold and silver. We dominated Sochi. We dominated the World Cup. I know not everybody loved that tournament, but it was still best on best, and facts are facts. I'll be honest. I was bored in Salt Lake City. Or sorry, sorry, I was bored in Sochi. So why, if, if the NHL is going to Pyeongchang, why are we going to break up our league like like in February when the Oilers are good and the Leafs are good again for three weeks for these guys to go over and then we all get up at 3.30 in the morning to watch Canada kick the crap out of Germany. I don't need that. I don't need it. I'm not even going to get up. So, yeah, it, it could lend itself to a big gold medal game or not if Canada just cruises because we're deeper than we've ever been before. It's not, listen, it's not a hot take. I'm not making it up. I just, it doesn't bother me that we're not going, to be honest. Just get it over with and, and you know, find, a, find an exciting team of CIS or junior or Spangler Cup kind of guys to go, and we'll all enjoy that. I, I love I love that perspective, and it fits into a theme that I often talk about on this show, that international hockey is an oxymoron, because there really aren't that many countries in the world that play hockey, and most tournaments... Uh, are competitive between about four or five teams. Canada, and then whichever three or four teams are at the peak of their cycle for that year. Yeah, yeah. it used to be the big six, but that's changed, right? The Czechs are not at a high at a high peak, and the Finns go up and down. I mean, let, let me ask you this. Let, let's say the NBA tomorrow announces the next Summer Olympics. We are not sending NBAers. The U.S. Olympic Dream Team is going to beat everybody by, by 100. Is not going. Like, what's our reaction? What's America's reaction? Are they outraged? I don't know if they are. Who needs to see that anymore? Right? And that's the, that's the level that Canada hockey has gotten to. They're USA basketball. That's a good point. Yeah, I'd be more interested in the basketball tournament if the, if the NBA wasn't there for sure. Uh, Andrew, I've kept you a while, and I'm going to be more selfish, but I'll be quick here because i got Morley Scott from the curling to check in as well. Give me uh, 30 seconds on a couple of Jays storylines for fans to watch over the first couple of weeks here. Uh, I, I thought game one, I know they lost in extras. It was a great game. It was way too intense for game one because they got 161 more of these. Um, I thought game one was pretty encouraging because it kind of gave you a template of of what to watch for with this team. They're they're going to pitch well. They're going to get runners on base. They're going to need one big swing of game. They didn't get it in game one. Um, I, I think the things to watch on this team, well, it's the starting rotation. So far, so good. Marco Estrada was good in game one. Jay Happ's going to go in game two. I think they have the best rotation in the American League. The, 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 tr- the trouble spot, the tricky point, is going to be the bullpen, and it was really good in game one, so that's a good thing to see. Keep your eye on Kevin Pillar in center field. I know he's a fan favorite, but it's for his glove, not his bat. He's making some big changes to his game, and I think we're going to see Kevin Pillar have a big season at the plate. So I'm talking getting better pitches to hit. I'm talking doubling his walk total, which raises his on-base percentage, makes him way more valuable. So he's the guy to watch for me. And, Andrew, your old roommate from Red Deer, Quinn, says hello. All right? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, buddy. I just know her dad. Her dad's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's there, all I know. There we go. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks nice for your time. See you later. That's Andrew Walker. Yes, used to work in uh, Red Deer, worked in Calgary, now in Toronto at the Fan 590. And that was uh, his take on the Olympics. He says, do we do we really need to go see Canada dominate? So he's, he's fine with the NHLers not going. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We're back with Morley Scott after the break. 
this is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot going for a team record tonight when the Oilers take on the LA Kings. We have the face-off show next. The game will start at 8.30. Want to spend a couple of minutes with Morley Scott, who is covering the Men's World Curling Championships at Northlands Coliseum for 6.30 Chad. Canada undefeated, big win over China, ready to take on Germany. Morley, you know, I'm interested, you've been talking to the the Team Canada members once or twice a day, Brad Gushu the skip. Uh, How how do you think the the pressure compares this week to what he faced at the Briar about three weeks ago? Well, you would think, and logic dictates, Reid, that uh, it would be, uh, the pressure would be uh, added upon in an event like this after winning your country. You go to the world championships, but uh, it appears to be nothing like it was in St. John's, Newfoundland three weeks ago for Gushu. He's, he's often this week talked about how this event is different and how he feels more at ease and how there seems to be more of a calmness around the rink uh, at the world championships here uh, in Edmonton than there were three weeks ago. He talked today about how, uh, you know, he played off the crowd. The crowd played off him at St. John's. He said, I, I watching the tape and looking back at those games, he said, I look more emotional in those games than I did in my early teens and, and in my late teens and early twenties. Uh, it, it, there really seems to be a different approach to these guys. They don't seem to be worried about anything. Uh, I don't want to say it's easier to win the world championships, but there's a lot more uh, competition, I think, to win a Canadian championship than, than to win a world championship, if you know what I mean. There's good curlers here. There's great curlers here. Uh, but, I mean, Canada is probably the best curling country in the world, and it's it's almost tougher to get out of Canada than it is uh, to win the world championships. And then com- compound that with the fact that he worked so hard to get the Briar to St. John's. Uh, he, you know, he beat the drum for it a lot. And then to be in the final and to win it, uh, there was a lot of pressure on him and his teammates that week, and they don't feel it at all this week here at Edmonton. All right, uh, Morley, just in the final minute of my show, uh, give me uh, give me a thought on facing Germany tonight. Uh, well, it's, it's you know, Germany's a team that's just struggled uh, through this uh, this event so far. They're two and four. There's four games left after today. Uh, Gushu, I think, has a chance to run the table in the round-robin portion. Uh, then they go on, of course, to the playoff games on Friday. But uh, Germany up first, who's, as I said, struggling at two and four. We'll see how he does. If he plays like he's been playing, there should be no reason why he shouldn't win this one. And, and maybe like most of the games he's won, they've, they've called it after seven or eight ends. Morley, we'll do this again tomorrow. Thanks for the update. Okay, Reed, talk to you then. Morley Scott at Northlands Coliseum. Men's Worlds continuing tonight. Canada, Germany. Stoffer's going to join me as we move into the face-off show when we're back after the news. Oilers and Kings coming up on 6.30, Chet. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.